And now, do you like Prince movies? Hey, everybody. From the global village in the age of communication, this is Do You Like Prince Movies? I'm Allison Lohman. <laughs> You're awful. Uh, I am Wesley Morris, and Alex, of course, is talking about the correction we now have to issue at the top of the show. I don't know why this has to go at the top of the show. It can go at the bottom of the show, but I, I figure we get it out of the way. It's a big Since- deal to a lot of people is why it goes at the top of the show. <laughs> uh, we've never... Really? I Okay, so you mean, <laughs> you mean to say that I spent a whole week not caring about this with the intention of apologizing for it a week later when the entire time I was not caring at all i should have been ashamed of myself i have never i don't think i've ever gotten me personally i don't know about you but response to the the show shame. i know yeah no shame. it was pretty high I've never gotten shame here we go this is me this is for you uh, i am sorry because last week shame. i made the horrible mistake shame. of repeatedly four times shame. saying that brie larson was shame. allison loman which is a very, very bad thing. I said that Brie Larson, I said that Allison Lohman was the sister in Trainwreck, which is not true. So I'm now going to let the woman from Game of Thrones shame shame me. More shame, Shame. Belle. Shame. Yes. I'm ashamed. But in my defense, I'd like to say that I I live in fear of (laughs) getting... This is a fear I didn't know I had (laughs) until... I was made aware of it. I live in fear of confusing Allison Lohman, Brie Larson, and Allison Brie. I don't know why, but I do. And every time I type one of those names, and to be fair to Brie Larson and Allison Brie, I have not had to type Allison Lohman's name in at least four or five years. Where are you, girl? Yeah. Where are you? She got. She got. I think she got dragged to hell for real. <laughs> That's the only. No. I mean, I think she. I mean, I haven't seen her, but I mean, I every time I type one of those names, I I have to make sure I'm I'm typing the right name, um, and so when I don't have to sit there and think about typing and I'm just talking, I you know, thank God it wasn't a party. Is what I'll say. It might be worse than that because <laughs> thousands of people heard me. Call uh, Brie Larson, Allison Lohman. So, uh, Brie Larson, I apologize to you. Allison Lohman, you're welcome. Uh, and Allison Brie, just thank God you had nothing to do with, with, with that mistake. You dodged, you dodged a bullet. You could have been misidentified as well. Do you, don't you Brie. have one of those? Well, yeah. And a it's, person, like, I, it's no, usually I done three this, people. Yeah, I could have done this one is the truth. This one would have been this, – this is it's entirely plausible that I could have – that this this could have been me. So I can't I can't shame you too hard. Um, I'm only just responding to like – the thing that I found really, really noteworthy is the level of passion for Alison Lohman and by extension for her not being misidentified. I think that was like – because I, I feel like it was a lot of people like Lomanites – Oh, in there. It was not. Well, maybe they can use that fervor to get her apart. Seriously, I don't know. Maybe she's just chilling. She's she's, mar- she she's married I to Mark so. Neveldine, which I forgot of Neveldine and Taylor of the Crank oh, films. Oh right. Yeah, and I think yeah, they yeah. have a farm or something. I think she's like chilling on a farm. I think she's cool. I'm not well, sure. She's missed. I, I don't think it's. Yeah. I mean, I think it's maybe. I'm saying it might be by choice. She might not. She might not be in hell like I suggested. 
Um, maybe she, yes, maybe she's just an agrarian. Next head. week we will apologize for suggesting that Alice Lohman uh, is not was dragged to hell because she was dragged to hell. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. Uh, we regret the error in advance. Please do not uh, correct us. We that. also have another error. Um, oh, we should also say at some point what we're going to talk about this. Week. We're going to talk about songs of the summer, and we're going to talk about delights. World Click turning twenty five years old, and we're going to talk about a great movie called Tangerine. But we also have to make another kind of at least clarification about something we didn't talk about when we were complaining about the Emmys two weeks ago. Namely. That the Nick got nothing of, 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 of note. It was not nominated for any major Emmy, which I, I find shocking. What, was it nominated for anything? I don't even uh, I, 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 I mean, this. it was nominated for um, technical stuff, which makes which also is fair. Uh, and yet ridiculous at the same time. Best best use of Edison bulbs <laughs> to light a set. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, mean uh, my answer to that is what? I mean, Andre Holland, Clive Owen. You can't find somebody. <laughs> the show itself that is you. I wonder if it's that. Like, I wonder if it's if if it's free. If you're free to have a conspiracy theory. If if you're about it just being. About Emmy voters thinking it was, I don't know, we're, we're, we're past that kind of snobbery. Because, I mean, a lot of TV looks like movies. I don't know what the, maybe nobody saw it. I mean, I feel the same way about Banshee not being nominated for anything. I mean, we talked about Top Tiana Maslani last, you know, when we talked about this before. I, I feel like, I, you know, now it's the first year of the Nick. But, I mean, Banshee snubbed every year. Yeah, it's true. And it's weird, too, because it's not I don't think it has a, it's it's not like, oh, this is a movie guy just coming into TV like they th- that's what the Emmys. They, all the every guest star Emmy is somebody from movies who's doing TV, slumming it in TV right. in a TV movie, making a Hallmark movie, get an Emmy nomination. You just, they just give you one at the door of the set when you show up to make your movie. Right, but I mean, I don't Clive know. Owen. Clive, yeah. I mean, Steven Soderbergh is nominated for Best Director. So okay. that that's a, that's a consolation prize. It might be too um, gross. I'm going to say, it might just be too gross for the for the voting bodies. I, I, the, 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 I mean, it's it's it is disgusting. I, that's the only thing that I'm. It's going to no say that more disgusting than anything. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not entirely caught up with Game of Thrones, but could it be grosser than that? Yeah, I think it's. I mean, look, no, Game of Thrones depicts a gross or like moral certain universe. things in Breaking Bad. There's some stuff in Breaking Bad that's pretty gnarly. But I mean, the Nick is just really there is some kind of intestinal shot, like that's there's really graphic kinds of things, and I, I that might I, that might be off putting to some people. All right. Well, that seems that's fine. That's fine. It's I a just... tough show to watch. I will I will say that there's there, there's certain things. It's like this whole you know we, the, the, I've been going through this because I'm I'm gradually we're in the process. Why are of... you letting the Emmys off the hook? I'm not. I'm just <laughs> okay. devil's advocating. I'm coming up with a theory about why this okay. might be. Okay, go. Uh, we're going through this with, with with Hannibal right now because Hannibal is kind of winding up. It's it's on its way out. It doesn't so far it doesn't seem like there's going to be some kind of eleventh hour like oh it's going to be you know it's Hannibal's going to be on Nick Jr. now or whatever it is like it's there's, it's not going to get picked up by somebody else. It seems at this moment it would be cool if it did because they will get to you know they'll get to finish their finish their story because now they're into the Manhunter story. They're into the Red Dragon mm-hmm. stuff has happened finally. They're through. They're through with the stuff from the Ridley Scott Hannibal, and they're now into the you know the uh, 
they're they're in you know continuity that we know about. But it's just it's just you, you watch it, and I, I do think as I'm watching it, I get why this isn't more popular. I understand mm-hmm. this is about as popular. I see why there's a ceiling on the popularity of this this show that that, that even we really can't eat in front of. Yeah. All you right. Know? I mean, that seems I, I get it, but no, it's it's crazy that these no, are professionals I who know. seemingly would be. I mean, immune to this. And it's funny because Soderbergh is nominated. I don't know what was submitted on his behalf for the Nick, but he's nominated for the first episode. And for me, I mean, you know, all of the every episode was really incredibly well directed. But I would say that the Riot episode was at episode seven. Yeah, I think that's pretty. Um, That is that is just I bet nobody made it that far. I bet people I I mean, you're making. We're like this, I'm going to watch the first part of this screener. Okay, Soderbergh. <laughs> Soderbergh's a good director. Let's not. I'll, I'll vote for him to be nominated for something, and then you know, I'm not going to. I guess in some ways it would just be that would just be under that would that would just be a, a mockery of the process to have him nominated for nothing. But yeah, that's the that's the show's one nomination, and you know, I just feel like Andre Holland gave one of the best performances on television last year. Clive Owen was not far behind him. Um, you know, Chris Sullivan, who plays the the ambulance driver, is really good. Um, I know you don't like uh, Juliet Rylance. I think she's I think she's really good. I thought she was all right. Yeah, she was all right. She she grew on me. Everybody. I, yeah, I, I, love I, that I don't show. know. I love this show so much, and you know, maybe next year. But I mean, it might. I mean, it might be like a secret genre show, and that might be a turnoff. In some ways, in the same way that I'm sure Banshee, which I think is like the most tightly constructed show on TV, um, uh, that just isn't appealing to voters because either they're not watching it because it's a genre show. Um, but I mean, the the stunt work and the craftsmanship on that on that show deserves a little. I mean, some and some other performances are really clever. Uh, anyway, that's it. We're sorry we didn't mention the Nick not being mentioned that much at the Emmy nominations last week. We'll be right back to talk about songs of the summer. It is still the summer. Songs are still coming out, and therefore the the contest for song of the summer remains officially open. You may, you may have chosen a song of summer that lives in your heart. I know I have, but... Wait, what is yours? I am still... You know, I, I'm I, holding out. You're holding. Out. You're you're still open minded. I think one of my songs is one of the ones we're going to talk about this week. But I I'm open to I'm open to what you're going to say. The one you can't let go of already. I'm not sure. Okay, I'm not sure actually what is going to ultimately. I I, I did I did show Jen my wife uh, Trap Queen the video. <laughs> I, I showed her Trap Queen. Uh, it was just, I think the, we, it just came on and, uh, we know that we just, we watched a couple of videos and like, we, we were just, I, I, you know, periodically like to do this. Um, I showed the, <laughs> the next video after that was the Vance Joy video, which I'm not even going to really talk about that song, but it's just, I do like that now nobody has money to make videos anymore. And so videos look like 2015 music videos often look like, like men at work videos. Yeah, like like there's this total regression. Yeah, yeah. Like we had we had a hundred (laughs) dollars, 
<laughs> and we had some tarot cards and we went to, you know, <laughs> El Matador State Beach for like 20 minutes and we got a model to jump around and then I, you know, pretended to play guitar and then that's that's the video because you're just going to watch it on your phone and watch it on your Apple Watch anyway, so who cares? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, whether or not, whether there's something like, whether like Beats One Radio can bring back the music video, but I kind of... Title. I'm, I'm look. Title, yeah, baby. Or, or title, yeah. Um, <laughs> exclusive all right, so, title content. Uh, yeah, we watch so, tra- we watch Trap Queen. The Trap Queen video is also pretty cheap looking. Yes. I will say there yes, is... It, it's just like film a party. Yeah, which is a very... It's a pretty, you know, standard rap video thing. It's like the, you know, like, like the... the uh, the King Kunta video is like the high end version of that, where it like every, it looks really good, but it's just it's all all my me and for my, which song the the, King, uh, the the Kendrick video for King Kunta. Oh 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 right okay. Um, I, I don't think I've seen that. Oh yeah, I have. That's the one where they're just outside, right? Yeah, they're like just, in a parking lot or something. Yeah, it's just it's a bunch of dudes, and it, you um, know, it, we'll talk about it in a minute because it's it does. There is one interesting thing about it, but we'll talk about it when we talk about Tangerine. Um, so I, was, I came away from it once again, really excited about Trap Queen, but it's definitely, I'd never seen that, that, that video before. And, uh, you know, okay. It, so wait, it what? Oh, it's <laughs> <laughs> nothing. That's I don't want to, no, I don't want to dive up. My, 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 my wife was just like, what is this? <laughs> okay. Is this so you're guy? not dying on the, on the, on the summer, on the summer jam hill for, for Trap Queen. No, yeah. yeah, I'm still, I mean, I, I was still, I came away from it being, you know, like Trap Queen, Trap Queen, Classic Man. Those are, you know, those are, those are in strong contention. Um, I would say that, um, if, well, I feel like the thing about a, this, this, what we're talking about is that if you heard the song in April and it sort of has legs that can carry into the summer, maybe that kind of counts. But the, I, I took my annual drive to the mid through the, what I know what normally would be Michigan this year. It's Colorado. Um, and I had a two hour drive from Denver to Avon slash Vale. And so I, I didn't do what I normally do, which is listen to the radio because I couldn't get a, a, a reliable signal because you're in the you're in valleys between mountains. Um, so I used satellite radio and heard the same. I heard three songs many times. Um, the first uh, is is Beck's Dreams, which is I think is really good. Um, it's just got this big like. Upbeat drum sound, um, and I actually heard this, and I didn't know it was Beck, and because I, I wasn't looking at the ID on the on the on the you know that you know the screen that tells you what you know the the screen that basically makes you get into a car crash. I didn't look because um, I'm I'm very paranoid about driving yeah, between those mountains, and all the roads are curvy. Anyway, I thought it was MGMT. I was like, wow. This is like this is such an overcorrection for that last record, <laughs> but it wasn't them. It was Beck, which is you know at the same time this is an overcorrection for that last record, but that's cool because this song is really good. I think. 
You know, I had this. Uh, this was sold to me. Not this. Not sold to me. I mean, nobody was really selling it to me. But I was. My understanding was like, it, it, when you read about it, it's like, oh, he's he's back. He's back to his f- funky old self or whatever. Uh, I kind of hate this song. I like you that. Do? I like the thing. Do that you the hate it as a back do. record, or do you hate it as somebody else? I hate it as a back record, and I think if maybe yeah, if I'd fair. had that experience, like it does sound like MGMT. It just, it just, it. I mean, I don't know. I like Funky Beck better than Doleful Beck. I will take, you know. But this isn't really funky, right? I know like, that's I the thing. It's it, it, it just it just it sounds like he's it, turned himself know. over to a producer. Maybe yeah, like he's just trying to approximate, and who knows? Maybe maybe like it, it, you know, the, I, it, it just this is the lead single, and there will be more exciting things happening. But I just sort of feel like okay, you made some kind of you know dancey synthy thing, but there's no like there's no joke, you know. There's nothing about it that's kind of you know that there's no there's no cleverness, and I guess that's you know for some people they're like good. I'm glad there's no sense of humor. I to might. It. I might be I might be in the good department. Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's true. I did not know this was Beck, and liked it. You know, I liked it a lot, not knowing that. But I like it. I like it knowing that it is also Beck. But I do agree that there is something like uh, uh, strategic about this. Uh, I'm not sure who produced this record. I could probably look it up. But it definitely sounds like um, it definitely has a sound that fits into a very specific thing. It feels, yeah, it feels calculated, and it feels like he, you know, feels like he was listening to a lot of satellite radio as well, and yeah. kind of making those making those things. It's funny because it's uh, there's another song that we're going to talk about that is in in some ways I thought you know uh, similar, but I like a lot better, which is the the church's song. Yes, um, it's really is, good. It's re- I I I really love this song. I love the song. So I didn't, I was immune to it for about the first three times I heard it because it sounds like off Um but off is like, you know, but the, the lyric that what got me was I finally heard the lyrics, like irrespective of, of the, of what else is happening with the song. And it, it reminds me in a weird way of Sinead O'Connor. Um, yeah. Yeah. Those sort of those dancey Sinead O'Connor records, yeah. I know but exactly what you're saying. I love I mean the people who love churches love churches. They're you know, they don't you know, you don't need any proselytization because you know, that first record was popular among people who heard it. Um but I really love this song. Yeah, I I, I was never I, yeah, I mean I'm not like all the way on the train. For, for churches. Neither I am like, I. This is, That's I, this, the thing this about this. A, it's pleasant to listen to, but I'm not. But this actually, I really like. So this, it, it reminds me a little bit of "I Love You Always Forever" by Donna Lewis, which is always a good. Thing oh yes, reminded yes. of. She, I don't know. That woman is responsible for Ellie Goulding, like Katy Perry to some extent. There's such a like. Donna Lewis gets no credit. <laughs> she really, yeah. Donna Lewis is the the, the queen of Leona Lewis. Um, and it's, yes. there's nothing. Yeah, no, it's true. Donna Lewis, props to you. But, yeah, I like this. This is just, it's just, it's like a perfect song. It feels like it is a flawless approximation of something, but you can't put your finger yes. on exactly what the thing is. Scritty, politty, but like totally straightforward. Yeah. It, I don't know. It sounds like, right. It, it is like the, it is, it is made up of so many different things that you can't even, that it is just his own thing. 
Yeah, but it's a it's, it's well blended. There's not like yes. it's sort of it's not like yes. oh here's the part that's like this. I don't know. It's like a little bit sort of it, like it reminds me a little bit of freestyle. Like there's the romanticism of freestyle and like sort of some kind of at the same time like that dark wave indie kind of post killers mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a weird anger to this record too. I mean, it's an it's an angry like get off, get away from me record. Like it's over. The relationship's over. Um, and I need you to acknowledge that. And it's like she her voice doesn't do a lot, but I mean, it hits all of the points of the song really, really well. Uh, I I am thrilled to hear this song on specialty radio, which is the only word for it. <laughs> You're not, I don't, I mean, I, I did on the way driving back to Denver here, I, I tried to like get some tuning going, but I, I didn't hear anything close to that. You know, I, I heard all the things that you're supposed to hear this summer on the radio. Um, and then there's the last song, which I did hear on both satellite and non-satellite radio. And this is my favorite song in the summer. It's only been out for like a month, but I don't care. I don't. F everybody who do disagrees with me. I love this song. It's the weekend. I can't feel my face. And I I would risk getting into a car accident to dance to this song in the car. As, as you might. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I guess what I'm the thing about the thing I love about this song and then it's him is that he Everything I wanted that first weekend record to be, which I just found like boring. I didn't like it the way it was. It was something you liked because it was allegedly not like anything else, except it was like a bunch of other like put out chilled R and B. Yeah, this you, is like. Are you a, talking about the first first record, like the thing that was the three EPs together? Are you yes, talking that, about I'm the, sorry. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um. I, I love this because I feel like it is a truer version of who this person wants to be. And I mean, between this and the that song that was on the Fifty Shades of Grey soundtrack, you earned it um, or earn it. Um, I don't know. I, I just I love this. It reminds me of Michael Jackson, but not in that cheap ripoff way where like he he gets to like the Michael Jacksonness of this song and the production gets it to the Michael Jacksonness of this song. Um, by the way, Greg Kirsten is the guy who did that Beck record, Dreams. Um, if that if it matters, it doesn't ring a bell for me. Probably, um, yeah. I could. I'm he not did. Googling. He did Prism. He did uh, some stuff on Katy Perry's Prism. He did. Uh, oh yeah, some Ellie Golding record, Ellie Golding records, and Kelly Clarkson. That's what you're hearing. <laughs> yes, that is that is yeah. what I'm hearing. I'm hearing somebody. It's weird because you're, but as in the case of this, you are hearing somebody really kind of going for it. I mean, it's weird. Like, yes. it, like, as much as Beck at this point can go for, as much as there's an it to go for for Beck, that's Beck kind of going for it. This is obviously like somebody really going for it. I mean, like, I didn't and realize until, there. and yeah, I mean, yeah, getting there. Like, this is an achievement. I was not a big fan. I don't really care about him. Sort of, you know, like what he's what he's turned his back on because I was not really into those. The, the early, any of that early stuff, honestly, like the you know the House of Balloons, I just found it all really turgid and kind of you know. Just to kind of be a bummer, but this is like—I mean, I didn't realize until I read the, the John Caramonica feature in the New York Times, uh, which I believe—I guess that was this weekend that came out—that um, he—that this is Max Martin. That's the like—that—that's yeah. the magic, uh, the magic dust. It's like Max Martin, one of the dudes from the Cardigans, the weekend, obviously, uh, the main singer-songwriter from the Cardigans, 
uh, uh, I forget his name, and uh, I wrote this down, Savan Koteka, who I'm going to mispronounce his name, but who has written, like, he wrote Bang Bang for Jesse J. He wrote, or co-wrote all these songs. He wrote, co-wrote Problem, mm, the okay. Ariana Grande song. So it's like, it, it's, it's weird because we haven't had, you know, we haven't had that moment you know, like we we didn't have that the, the moment when like you know Frank Ocean so far at least you know somebody like that no one from that from that world which I guess Wikipedia still insists on calling PBR and B because I Wikipedia the weekend for something you know he's a PBR and B artist I was like you can, you can change that <laughs> <laughs> it's Wikipedia the weekend just go in there and change it just go and fix it um, it's yeah. it's a terrible thing to call someone then uh, then we're still doing it but. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating when somebody decides that they're going to just stop effing around and try to be a pop star. And, like, this is actually right. a pretty amazing transformation on his part. I'm I would say. I'm pretty impressed with it. And he's sort of, this is a guy who's been flirting with doing Michael Jackson stuff for a while. Yeah, he's um, like, I'm Michael Jackson from the bottom of a lake of cough syrup. <laughs> I'm Michael Jackson waking up and I don't know where I am and I'm going to sing a song. That was, yeah. yeah. I never, I just found, I, I found his whole shtick really tiresome back in, yes. back in the day. And I felt like there yeah. was just, there was more, I would, I would, I would take of his, any, any pretty much any of his uh, PBR and B compatriots over him. Yeah. And I mean, I, he's 25. Yeah. There'll be plenty of time for him to figure it out, but I feel like this is it. Don't leave this area, please. No. I mean, like, the best. Expand the parameters of the lane, but don't leave it. Yeah. I mean, the best detail in the Caramonica piece is that when his first, those first EPs started coming out, he was still working at American Apparel, which is kind of, mm-hmm. and, and he would hear his own music at American Apparel because of, <laughs> that was the only thing you could not go in an American Apparel for like a year and not hear a weekend song, <laughs> which must have been really crazy. It must have been like if you were Louis Armstrong and you worked at a Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever uh, the, whatever the reference is if you were jack johnson you worked at a starbucks we'll be right back to talk about delights world collector in 25 how do you say de groovy how do you say de gorgeous la 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 how do you say? Delight, 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 delight. We're going to dance. We're going to dance. We're going to dance and have some fun. So, Alex, Dig. I know that hearing that bass line and the shaking of those tambourines should just make you roll your eyes we should be tired of this song just tired of the song but it never gets old i always think i don't like this song until i hear it again and i'm just like oh yeah that is a perfect it is actually a perfect song well you'd never be like oh well one of my favorite bands is delight right you, you, there's something about for some reason that just it, it, it strains credulity that you would ever make that claim and yet that song i've probably heard that at every wedding i've ever been to pretty much <laughs> yeah maybe yeah. there's no, like I mean, one where there was a live band and that was why they didn't have it and that you know I, I i'm pretty sure the the first one and the last one i went to 
that song was that song was featured. Yeah, I this so this record came out 25 years ago and the album that came with it World Click also came out. And I guess the reason to talk about this is that it is it is sort of an underrated record I would say. Uh the album is underrated and I think every single song not there's not one bad song on this record and every song is of a piece with with an idea about what dance music was in 20 25 years ago um but not in a way that sort of froze it in stone i felt like the thing that 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 you keep coming back to with this record and i've listened to it at least once a year since it came out is just how fresh it still sounds and how the reason that you you're still hearing groove is in the heart is because it still, I mean, it picked up on where music was going in terms of this sort of conflation of sounds and, and style. Um, but it also felt organic. Like it, I mean, this was, it was creating something instead of like catching up with something. Um, and I think that was it was the newness at the time of 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 what delight was all about, which was just sort of un unmitigated happiness. Yeah, I think they were pulling in they were pulling from a lot of different sources, and it was obvious that they were listening to they were listening to house and things like that, and to you know and sort of to techno and all those things that were were happening, but also to like three feet high and rising. Mm-hmm. I think that's the mm-hmm. key is that it's this. Like when I listened to it again, uh, you know, I I probably looked at the credits to this before, but like I'd never really thought about it. Like the they produced it themselves; they're credited with the production. Um, but the engineer is Bob Power, who is the, the the legendary Bob Power, who was Tribe Called Quest engineer, and he was the Roots engineer, and all that. And it's it it's very much when you listen to something like. Just like the drums on the D-Light theme, mm-hmm. you know, on that mm-hmm. first song, like there's just the just the way that the, the, the drum sound is very much of a of a piece with like what was going on in hip hop at that moment. And I started thinking about it like this was also kind of the last moment when like when they were probably listening to music as while they were making this, you know, Q-Tip from A Tribe Called Quest is on this record. And there's, you know, there definitely there's nods to that world and a lot of the samples like are things that you'd you know would hear on a lot of hip-hop records at the time but this was like the last moment when if you were listening to rap there was a chance it was like really happy rap you mm-hmm. know like really mm-hmm. it was before it was pre-g-funk and pre-wu-tang and pre all those things and like it was you know, like it was we were about to kind of go dark you know and like east coast stuff was going to go dark as well it wasn't just like sort of there was like west coast gangs of things and then like you know by like the early the early 90s it just becomes you know Jerry with the damage and stuff like that. Like, it's just really sort of, it's, you know, there's a kind of aestheticized bleakness. And so this was that, that last second. So it does, it feels a little bit like a time capsule to me, but in a great way. Like it feels like it yes, captures yes, this moment yes. of like, just super kind of like, you know, bright, crazy optimism. I mean, I just also like, I, I mean, this is where I heard a lot of this music for the first time like it was like my it was my first experience with like what you know generally pretty much there have probably been sort of here and there like you know you hear like cnc music factory and stuff like that but like this was my first exposure to like house like real like mm-hmm. house music not that this is like this is obviously adulterated house music yes but those it's sounds, not larry levon no it's sillier you know, than that it's like because right. house was very joyous but it was not necessarily silly you know like and the people who goofy. practiced house took it very seriously too i mean it was it was an art form that that required i mean you know there's a craftsmanship that went into creating that sound and maintaining it and having it you know uh, 
produce a certain sustained high. I mean, none of the songs in this record, for instance, last longer than five minutes. Um, but they don't even get, I mean, one song gets beyond five minutes, you know, so it isn't even like the sustained release, uh, that house is, is after it's more of a, of an abridged version of what house music can do yeah. while also mixed in with these other, these other sort of dance sounds, which include hip hop. And, um, I don't know. It just, it, it, it's also the, I think the other sort of important element, I and mean, we should say that like, it's, it's lady miss Kier and um dj dimitri <laughs> super dj dimitri pardon me excuse me excuse me he didn't go to he didn't go attain the rank of super dj for you to just <laughs> alice and loman him man he's the super dj dimitri um and uh dj tawate tawate um who went on to tawate had the best jordans on the back of this record as well it made me really want i still really want that there's just the white 23 jordans it's the original uh that's the other thing though about them is like if you were watching the videos i mean and you couldn't escape i mean a part of the the popularity of this song was driven by the infectiousness the infectiousness of the video and the clip we played uh from the intro is not on the the radio single where she's like how do you say you know how do you say de gaulle just she's talking that about thing one of the aristocats <laughs> There, it's it. She, she, Lady Miss Kier had this glamour that you just, I had just never seen anything like this before. Maybe outside of a cartoon. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it really spoke to me. I can remember so many days where I was by myself, like on my way to soccer practice, walking up the road to the field, just being like. How do you say de God? Yeah, I just remember doing that so many times. And I just, I like, what today? I mean, I guess Lady Maybe Gag, Lady Maybe Gag, yeah, uh, maybe Lady Gaga is the person who makes people, like, I mean, if you're a person and you don't really understand what glamour is or you have no, or like what what a person's first exposure to a kind of glamour is. And she was among one of the first people for me where, like, it was this accessible thing that you can kind of imitate and is fun to pretend that you understand in some way. I don't know. I remember being at a party full of college kids when I was in high school, and they loved this album. It was just their favorite album. And they play the whole thing, and they dance around the apartment stone to it, and I just would be like, yeah, I love Delight, too. And I wonder, I mean, I don't know, like, in terms of that kind of, like, cartoon glamour, I think, I mean, the only person I can, I mean, maybe Katy Perry, but it's a, it's a slightly different thing with the Nicki Minaj's and the Kesha's and the, and the, the Lady Gaga's of the world. Yeah, I think they're all trying to be, and, and you know, it's in, in most cases, it's a good thing, but, like, I think they're trying to be more complex characters and, like, kind of, the, you know, they're, the, we, they have are dealing grappling with darker oh, emotions yeah. and like this is really, really just about pure kind of fun and craziness and joy um there's no sort of like there's some you know there's there's some messages like i mean if you listen to it really there's you know like try me on i'm very you is about the importance of communication in relationships you know yes and like she's that, very big on that yeah they they got into like yeah they became very messagey like the, I think that next record has like a song, you know, songs about recycling and wearing. Yeah, Infinity and Within. It's voting. but you know, it's like it's good. Yeah, it's, it's in the same way that the B fifty twos became about like saving the environment too. That yeah. was a 
That was a, I mean, vegetarianism and, and the ecology were two things that sort of came into certain areas of popular or popular-ish music during that time. And, you know, Delight became not innocent of that, which, you know, more power to them. No, there's some but, jams on uh, Dewdrops in the Garden, too, the 94, yeah. the techno one. It's just, it's diminishing returns, certainly, just because I think this, you know, you kind of, they, they nailed it the first, the first, first time out. Yeah, I mean, like, who was that? Who was that is one of the funniest, <laughs> coolest songs. It's just, yeah, someone, someone is, uh, someone's eating all the, in, someone's in Lady Mysterious' house eating all the food. There we go. I mean, it's just, I mean, but it's really, it's a, I mean, from to me, it's about being stoned <laughs> or having been stoned. Um, oh, you're saying who was that? It's like a Tyler Durden, like who ate the pie. Right, I right. <laughs> yeah. And what's the, the sample? This is, is that Yellow Magic Orchestra? That little that little uh, uh, hi hat thing? I don't know. This was also when I started to uh, one of the things that sort of uh, you start learning about samples and like what samples mm-hmm. are. It's like you sort of hearing "Mama Told Me Not to Come" and realizing that that's from the, that that little like that's that's in the intro to this. You know that that's where that comes from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in this, I would say this and Paul's boutique and Three Feet High and Rising are three of the like yeah. just most incredible uses. I mean, and 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 Beck's Odelay, just like really, really, really like astonishing examples of what ingenious sampling can do, and like what you know the thing that people were sort of resistant to it as an art form were missing, which is that. You can take a bunch of stuff and just create an entirely new song. I mean, which I mean, I guess we, it, it, that's obvious, but in 1990 that wasn't so obvious, and it was totally actionable. And just this record is—I mean, you can you can hear the samples in it, but they're so—they don't dominate. No particular sample dominates any particular song, so that you feel like you're hearing. All you're hearing is the sample. And I would say, I mean, there are people who, I mean, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis sometimes got that right. And then sometimes you'd get something like Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation, the song, not the album, where like all you're hearing is that Sly and the Family Stone guitar. Um, And the song is sort of dominated by that in some ways. But this is like, for me, a really, really seamless pastiche of sounds. Yeah, and they're, they're, it's it's coming from they're basically taking th- from so many different places. Yeah, that no one thing takes it over. Um, I mean, I guess if you're a really big fan of any of the things, you would you would feel that way. But like, I didn't even really, I didn't even know I, I until last night that that's that the baseline and groove is in the heart is uh, that's Ron Carter. Yeah, it's from the Blow Up soundtrack. I mean, it's it's a movie a I was forced song. to watch many times. <laughs> you're and forced, still you were only forced to watch Blow Up. Well, I went to college. Okay. I took film classes. Fair enough. It was like you couldn't escape blow up. I mean, it's the reason I. I mean, I probably don't think I'd be crazy about that movie anyway. But I definitely never need to see it again now. I'm a more um, of a blow out person myself, but because you're smart, that's that's, that's um, right. But yeah, there's <laughs> that's no probably a conversation for another time. But blow yes, up versus blow up, blow up people um, versus blow out people. 
Yes. Um, I, I also think blow up people versus performance people is a conversation worth having. But uh, mm. there's no there, so the the thing that's we're, we're talking about you know the use of samples in this and like the other thing that's interesting is this is one of those records that could not happen today in the way that it happened that like three dog night would sue you for all of the money and it would not be cost effective to put out this music. Oh, so you'd, you'd have to, you mean it. you'd be like in a Robin Thicke Marvin Gaye estate situation. Well, or? I mean, I mean, these are straight samples. You just be, people would just come and just, just, you know, yoke you. For your you mean publishing. it would just, it wouldn't be cost effective. I mean, cause presumably you could get, Oh yeah, you could afford it, but it's like, you just couldn't, it's just it, it, all of these things. Like you, you would not get away with, I don't even know. I guess there's cleared samples on here, but like I, I didn't. I, I don't have a CD to look at, but like I feel like it was probably. You could just kind of. You could just kind of take stuff and like if nobody noticed, then then nobody noticed. And I mean, like you could sort of run a whole the Herbie Hancock baseline through your song, and like it would be, you know, no big deal. There's so right, there's not I mean, so many things that follow in the footsteps of this. That's like what's I was trying to think like what is this? What are the successors of this? If we know sort of that this is kind of you know. House music meets three feet high and rising meets whatever you know meets Todd Oldham or something like what's the you know what comes <laughs> out of Todd it? Todd Oldham, that's so good. At, like goes yeah meet at, at that's John like Fluvog's Todd house. Oldham, yes, yes, yes. No, it's really it evokes something for me. It evokes like I mean it was not in New York that I ever lived in, but it just it, you know it evokes like a you know that moment because it's pre it's the it's the very early '90s, so it's pre you know pre grunge pre all those things. But like what's the you know the, the only I was thinking about like successors like Pizzicato Five. I think mm-hmm. comes out of this mm-hmm. bunch of people yes. who are like super great for at least like one sort of it's single that just becomes like immortal uh, lens. Steal my sunshine is like mm. a Canadian Which, dirtbag version of this. I heard um, I heard that over the weekend hilariously on on the lithium channel of Sirius yeah. uh, Sirius XM. And it was I, it's much slower than I remember. That's the. Like, yeah. That's the I thing. don't ever were people dancing. That was I dancing to that record when it came out. I mean, I think the thing about I mean, it was a party record, but I think it was a stoner party record. I mean, it to- as a person yeah. who is not a stoner, <laughs> I can't. I'm hearing as an adult hearing that I just I don't know what people were hearing. Like you hear "Steal My Sunshine" now, and it's just like hmm, interesting, but it's still it's a good song. I just. I'm here. I don't hear it the same way I heard it when I was, you know, 21 years old. Well, I think it was a, ra- yeah, I think it was a radio hit in the way that, you know, something you, you, you can't dance, you couldn't dance to drinking in LA either, but like that was. Yes. Yeah. I was thinking about Brand Van. Kind of wave as, your hands back time. and forth. Yes. Yeah. You think it's just songs. There were a lot of so- those songs with like the you know, narration at the beginning, the, the, some, somebody having a conversation that, oh, and there's a song. We better get to the song. Right. At the beginning of the beginning of the podcast medium. Was, anyway, was, if, if. That's my theory. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like, yes, that the Len point is a very good one. I hadn't that hadn't occurred to me. But if you haven't heard this record ever or in a long time, you should consider revisiting it. It's just got twelve excellent songs on it. They're all just magical and gem-like. Um, we'll be right back to talk about train. Wreck. Oh my God. See, uh, Allison Loman, the Allison Loman Brie Larson thing has cursed me for the rest of the show. We'll be back to talk about Tangerine. <laughs> <laughs> were you supposed to share it? Yes, we're supposed to share it, bitch. I'm broke. Happy, <laughs> man. 
I've been great. You probably got tits, bitch. <laughs> this estrogen has been kicking in. The only thing that hasn't broken down is these fucking arms. Everything else on my body looks good. Oh, honey. Girl, you try that look like the real thing. So, I got some good news to tell you. What? I've been keeping a secret about me and Chester. Girl. <laughs> Woo! I know what it is. Oh, You're girl. breaking up with him. Thank God. Because, what? honey, for I'm him to be cheating on you like what? that. Wait, 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 wait. What? That is the inciting incident from Tangerine in in theaters now. It's it, I think it's important. That's not a spoiler. That happens very very early, and it is if you. you, you, you that's can, the first scene. Yeah, you can miss it, and that's the sort of the the reason for the whole movie. Yeah, people come early. Don't be late to this movie. It isn't even. It's like eighty minutes. You got to You got to get out. You got to get in before you can get out. Um. I love this movie so much, Alex. I do too. I mean, you talked about it after you saw it at Sundance, right? That was yes, yeah. And so we discussed it a little bit, and you mentioned it, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds interesting." And it, I was really, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, the it, it, we mentioned earlier, I was talking about the, you know, we were we were talking about the, the King Kunta video, and that this was something uh, Brandon Soderbergh talked about this in City Paper, but the the iPhone aesthetic. You know, coming into, you know, because that has, Kinkunta has the, Kinkunta shot vertical, you know, a vertical mm-hmm. iPhone style. Yeah. And that's why I was sort of, that's why I was asking on, on Twitter about, there was some story that I, I, I'd read, uh, an essay from, and I now know this from a journal called Refractory, written by Miriam Ross, talking about um, the vertical aesthetic and sort of, you know, the verite, the, the, that's the last frontier of verite because nobody shoots that way. You know, mm. nobody shoots movies that way. So it's like you always know it's truthful because it's, you know, if it's uh, vertical, if it's, you know, if it's world star yes. format. Um, but this is interesting because I had ex- I expected and like people were actually asking me afterward, like how, you know, how much, how iPhone is like, is it, is there, you know, I have a friend who's like, I have really bad motion sickness. Like, can I go? See no, this? that's the like, thing. I wish nobody knew how this movie was shot because it's, it's such a distraction. It's interesting formally to talk about, but. It it is it is so you are just watching a movie that happens to have been shot with an iPhone. Yeah, you think it's going to be some like born identity world star thing, but it's not at all. It's very no. it's actually very you know because also people just it's a it's a human being holding a phone on a Steadicam rig, so it's fairly aside from a few moments when they are sort of deliberately you know doing some things some camera moves to make it dramatic. It's not like that at all. There's a thing on the iPhone. I just thought it was, but I thought it was interesting. And the thing that's the the reason it's interesting to me, and I think the reason it's worth talking about, is that, I, you know, and I think this is something the director, Sean Baker, said. It is Sean Baker, right? That's what I'm getting at. Yeah, Sean Baker. Um, I don't want to misrepresent anybody's Okay, identity. enough. I'm just, I'm sorry, I didn't want to do it. No, I just now I realize that we have an audience of fact checkers. So. As well we should. God bless you for checking our facts. Anyway. The thing I think is interesting about it is not, you know, it's not it's not stunty. There's nothing about it where it looks like, you know, it's not like Blair Witch. It's not like you're watching something that's like self-consciously trying well, to it's, be. But it's right. There is something about I think and like he meant he mentioned this, like this is a cast of mostly uh, non-professional actors, you know, or people yes. who've never been in movies before, Kitana, for, Kiki Rodriguez and Maya Taylor play the yeah. two women we heard who are trans trans women. Uh, prostitutes, one of whom just got out of prison or jail, 
and her friend Maya, or her friend Alexandra. And yes, yeah, Cindy just got out of jail. Cindy Alexandra jail. is her friend who wants no drama, and Cindy does not Cindy keep her promise to not steer them into drama. And that's that's how it goes. And they kind of split up and come back together over the course of a long day and night, which is one of my favorite formats for a movie. I'll pretty much. Yes. I'm good. I'm almost that 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 gets it a long way toward me Wait, liking but- the movie. You were saying about the about yes. the non-professional actors. Oh yeah, yeah. The thing that I think the thing I think is important about that aspect of it is that, and Sean Baker said this in an interview, and I totally you can see it in the movie. These are non-professional actors, and there was probably something about somebody holding a camera versus somebody holding an iPhone. Like everybody mm. understands what it's like to sort of interact oh, with a cell yeah, phone and with really, someone holding really a cell smart. phone. And I think mm-hmm. you actually get. He gets he gets performances, you know. He was saying that like there's often with non actors there's a hump that you have to get over where like they're really self conscious and like they are trying to act and they look like they're trying to act and it's a disaster and everything and like that this cut down on that significantly because people are sort of like everybody has a phone in their pocket and they're accustomed to accustomed to that and so even if it's like sitting on a rig or whatever it's still just kind of an iPhone so it's not you know and there's also there's something about like. You know, the phone is there's an intimacy that's created, you know, because the phone is more unlike the camera, which can sometimes be like it stands back and it's classical framing and it's doing something. It's making a picture and a painting or whatever. Like a phone is like an extension of our own sort of senses, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of like, yes. sort of reaches out there. And there's something so there's like, you know, I think that helps that sort of that. I think that is a big part of what. I like about this movie is the performances. And I think a lot of that is uh, some of that is down to, you know, the, the, the way that it was made, but it's right. also just I a good like, movie. I like his previous movie a lot, Starlet. And it's got to, it's got Dree Hemingway and, 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 uh, Bisetka Johnson and their performances are, are, they're good, but this is the, I mean, the idea of of what an iPhone can do for your relaxation as a as a as a first time or you know non professional actor uh, is is really interesting because I feel like these are much more vivid performances in this movie than than in Starlet and I mean not by much but I mean there is a difference but I also love the scuzziness of this movie I love I mean and it doesn't sort of shy away from these sort of dark areas of prostitution and what it means to be living that life and working that profession. And there are some really (laughs) grim things that happen, um, namely an encounter in a, in a motel room. Um, but then there's this other side of the movie that involves a cab driver, this Armenian cab driver played by, um, uh, Karen Kagulian, Arkaragulian, uh, who is in Starlet um, as well, and he is that guy is the the cab driver's name I think is Rosmeek, yeah. and he's so wonderful. And his side of the movie meets up. There's another thing I love about this kind of movie, like his side of the movie. The friends split up, uh, Cindy and Alexander split up, and then the movie sort of moves into this guy's part of Los Angeles, and then everybody comes together, including Chester. Um, for the last you know, fifteen minutes, and it's just played by James just, Ransom. J- James Ransom, the most famous person in this movie. 
Yes, the, the superstar <laughs> that got he this movie greenlighted. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just there's a there's a spirit to this movie that I love. There is a a kind of faithfulness to the people in the world in which Sean Baker is working. Um, it's not trying to explain anything. I think he's just telling a story that happens to be set in this world, but is not inextricable from it at the same time. Um, I thought a little bit about black exploitation movies. I thought a little bit about Tarantino. Um, I, I, I love, I mean, setting aside the fact that it was shot with a phone, it just has this really great visual energy and this really great soundtrack um, that is just, it's exciting. And the minute that first scene that we that from the clip we just played ends, Cindy leaves the restaurant and goes on her on her rampage, and the camera sort of and the and the and the vibe of the movie takes on the emotional intensity of her determination to track down this cisgender woman and and beat her brains out. Um, and I just found I found that transition from that scene to the like the sound of gunshots on the soundtrack or like, you know, a, a, a pistol or a gun being um, locked and loaded or loaded and locked as she's walking down the street. It just is so funny, but it also gets you amped up too. And the energy of the movie never flags for its, you know, 90 minutes or 88 minutes or however long it is. Um, and that's, that's another thing that's kind of hard to do. I also thought about after hours, another movie that's set in, in one day in a CD part in New York. Yeah. But the message of this movie is a little, I can, I can handle what Sean Baker's trying to do a little bit more than Scorsese in that movie. But I still think after hours is great. Yeah, no, this is a, yeah, I, I that, that, that is, it's a really good soundtrack. It's a really good, just the colors and stuff are really, they, they, they're unreal, but they actually sort of like, that is kind of how LA looks in a weird way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, I, mm-hmm. I, I was watching. I was like, is this actually how it looks or is it how it just looks to me on Instagram? So I'm kind of, you know, sort of like that's now I, that's how I will remember it. But it's weird. Like, I know this, like, you know, all these backgrounds. It's like, you know, like that place Regan Projects, which is across the street from the donut shop where a lot of things happen. Like I've driven by donut time a million times. Yeah. Donut time. I don't know if it's a. I forget if donut time is a real place or I mean, it's a real donut shop. Obviously, I don't know if it's really called donut time. But, yeah, it's all Santa Monica Boulevard stuff mm-hmm. and that was the that was the other thing just sort of seeing like you know there's a there's one shot where you can see the arc light in the background you know like they're just is it is you know it feels like a you know it's going to be an important in the sequel to los angeles plays itself i think there will be you know this is one of those movies so it'll, it'll be this will be in there Tom oh Anderson also if you've never seen los angeles plays itself help yeah yourself. seriously if i've never ranted about that you never have, believe this, it or not. On this show. <laughs> if you are interested in Los Angeles and movies and you haven't seen that, what are you doing? Stop listening to podcasts. Go find it. It's on, uh, just came out on Blu-ray like last year. Um, updated. I think he went back. It's a movie entirely made from uh, primary source materials. There's no original footage. It's all it's from other movies, and it's basically about how the city is re- represented and in films, and how it has been represented, and how the what what is what is revealed and what is concealed. And I guess uh, yeah. the Blu-ray he went back, and everything was from all the original source material was from VHS, and so he went back and like re-ripped all the clips from from DVDs. It was stuff that it, it was, is one of the great documentary achievements of the last twenty-five years. I would say. Yeah. 
I, I, I never get tired of it. I've seen it in the theater. Christian Moore plays the clock in Los Angeles plays itself. Two of the great found footage and um, how to survive a plague. Those are my three favorite found footage achievements of the last 25 years. Clock is it? Anyway, by the way, clock is they, they're, they're showing the clock again. So next, the next time you're in. Oh, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Oh, lucky you. I'm going to be out here. I'm going to be, I'm going to, yeah. If you've never seen, if you're in the Los Angeles area and you've never seen Christian Markley's the clock, you should also see that it's 24 hours of time pieces from movies. Masterpiece. Um, anyway, also tangerine playing somewhere near you. Hopefully, um, I don't know if it's on demand. I think the strategy with this movie was to get it and get people to see it in movie theaters. Did you see it on demand? I did not. I saw it in a movie theater. I saw it at yeah. Lemley's Playhouse. In I think Pasadena. that that's that's your option. That's your only option. Um, it's around. It's not. It's not. It doesn't seem to be hugely. It's one of those ones where it's in. It's in certain theaters, so it's in our version of like the Sundance, basically. But it's not. Um, right. Well, do try to find it in a city in the city you're in or a city near you. Um, we'll be right back with the jam of the week. So, uh, momentous occasion over the weekend, Wesley. Uh oh. My daughter, who is five, has a favorite Parliament Funkadelic song. <gasps> oh. I was playing Mothership Connection. We were driving to a birthday party uh, that, that for her, for one of her friends. Um, was listening to Mothership Connection in the car. She was mildly amused by it. She sort of, you know, as she is by many things, but she got really into this for some reason. Uh, this is Night of the Thumpasaurus Peoples from Mothership Connection. It's and I not... bet she didn't even know what it was called. No, but then I told her and she got really excited. And <laughs> she was also really, basically she was sold. I mean, like, this is what, this is the thing that happened with P-Funk. Like, kids got into it eventually. It became much more kid-friendly around, like, bootsy time but uh, you know because why wouldn't you it's all cartoony and everything yeah she was really psyched when i told her there was a guy who played guitar in a diaper <laughs> she was like that's crazy and like i like the idea of this and then but there's a part in this song that she really liked and once she didn't want to hear anything else um her her moment comes around the the two minute mark and so i will i will i will hit that post but it's when the, the guy starts going goo 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 ga she loves that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It is yeah, a, this is the last song on this record. Yeah, it's I, not a it's hit. It's worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, all right, that's our show. I should also say to everybody, uh, Tom Cruise does that weekend song on Jimmy uh, Jimmy Fallon's show. I think Monday night he did it. So you can find that. It is, it's pretty amusing seeing him impersonate Michael Jackson. Um, Joe Fuentes, you're excellent. David Jacoby. David Jacoby. Thank you. Even yeah, yeah. Thank you, David. Uh, Alex, thank you. Uh, and we'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcast.